surprises us. And, and the beautiful thing about Trinity is that we are open to the Holy Spirit here. And we're saying, God, have your way. Your way is better than our way anyway. <laughs> so Lord, have your way. Amen? Amen, amen. It's so interesting too that um, Shannon had mentioned gluttony because uh, I'm actually going to be talking about fasting today. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <clears throat> wow, unbelievable. So uh, we are, yes, we are going to be starting a new series this morning, <clears throat> just a two-part series called Spiritual Exercise, and uh, we're going to be looking at it, just a couple of uh, different spiritual disciplines, and um, uh, like I said, today we're going to be focusing on fasting. And so, you know, I wonder how many of you can relate with me when I tell you this story, okay? When I was, you know, growing up, teenage years and so on, I was very active, very active. In fact, I was, I was very active even as a toddler. Very active. I kept my parents in shape. My grandmother as well. I mean, my grandmother lived with us and so she would take me out uh, to, the, to the playground and we wouldn't come back until, you know, hours and hours later and we would get so suntanned from being outside so much. People thought we were from Bangladesh. But, uh, we're, no, 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 we're Korean, not Bangladesh. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, so if you know Junia, those of you who've worked in the nursery or you see my youngest daughter running around, she's not even two yet and she doesn't stop, okay? So that's where she gets it from, you know, she gets it from me, very, very active. Um, so growing up, I was very active, um, involved in various different things, martial arts, um, track and field, swimming, and so on. And... Uh, just, yeah, very, very involved physically. Now, fast forward, uh, in university I met Allie, and she too was very active growing up. She was a part of uh, cross-country running, she was a dancer, jazz, and all sorts of stuff. And, and so uh, when we got married, we decided to join a gym together to keep up our active lifestyle. Um, we tried doing that anyway, but then we had kids, four of them. And one of them is here, so I've got to watch out what I say. <laughs> oh, they grow up fast. Oh, man. I used to be able to crack jokes, and none of them hear it. Now I can't do that. <laughs> oh, I love you, Eden. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, having kids changes your life. It really does. Uh, for... for for the better, of course. I mean, I've matured in ways that I never would have if I didn't have kids. And so definitely uh, it has been a tremendous blessing, uh, you know. But uh, over the years, and I will speak for myself on this one, I have totally neglected exercise uh, the last 13 or so years. And um, totally stopped going to the gym, totally stopped doing, you know, anything really that remotely mirrors exercise <laughs> and so for a long period of time we uh, me personally I just didn't do that and so it's amazing how we can get so out of shape so quickly physically uh, and that's what happened in, in my life and got totally out of shape and uh, the interesting thing that I found out is that not only can you get out of shape physically but you can actually get out of shape spiritually as well 
Now, what do I mean by that? Well, perhaps you may recall what it was like when you first came to the Lord. When you first realized who Jesus was. The passion you had for him. The love that you experienced in his presence. And how easy it was to spend time in his word. You would open the Bible and it's like light bulbs would go off in your spirit. Your inner being would be so strengthened to the core. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, do you remember those times? Prayer even, it came so naturally to you. That it was more than just praying during crisis, but it was praying just to connect with God. And you'd wake up in the morning and say, God, good morning, God. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Jesus. I love you. And the more you would pray, the, the more he would answer. And the more he would answer, the stronger your faith became. Or how about worship, times of worship, where you would just be totally basking in his presence in worship. It didn't matter what the song was, whether it was something familiar to you or not. You just basked in the, the presence of God and you connected with the words. It wasn't about preference, it was about his presence. And you experienced a strengthening in your love for God. You see, these things are spiritual exercises. And when we engage in them, not only does it keep your inner person strong, it keeps your relationship with God strong. The Bible says in Matthew seven twenty four to 25, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now I've noticed something recently about exercise because I just recently got back into exercising. And so I've, I found something profound. When you increase your physical exercise, you increase your capacity to overcome physical challenges when you do that. When you exercise more, you increase your capacity to do more, to overcome more. How many of you have ever been to the mall? That's two floors. Yes. Two floors. And you get to the escalator, and you're about to go up, and you're like, it's broken. Isn't that annoying sometimes? It's like, what? This shouldn't happen, right? But if you're exercising, it's like, no problem. I'll walk up those stairs. It'll add to my step count. I'm burning calories. No problem. My Fitbit's going to be happy, you know, balloons. Yeah, you did 10,000. It's going to get me there quicker. And so no problem, right? But when you're not exercising, it's like, oh, why? Is there an elevator? Is there another escalator? You know, why do I have to walk up the stairs, Right? That similar thing can take place in our spiritual being as well. When we are engaged in spiritual exercises, our inner being, our inner core, is able to withstand the storms of life. And so for the next two Sundays, I want to talk about two, two spiritual exercises. Now, there's way more than two, but I'm just going to focus on two um, and today we're going to be talking about fasting. And so to take us there, 
Uh, let's look at a passage in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 15. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 9, uh, 14 to 15. It will be on the screen as well. Uh, that's what I'll be reading this morning. Matthew 9, 14 to 15. And this is what it says. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. The title for my message this morning is Fasting to Fuel a Greater Longing. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much. Oh, we just thank you for this service so far. It was so rich in experiencing your presence, Lord. That you are among us, that you are so intimately, you, you, you intimately know each and every one of us. And you meet with us in, in your way. We thank you for that. God, I, I want to pray for each and every person as we listen to this message, Lord. Would you challenge us? Those who are comfortable, would you disturb? Those who are disturbed, would you comfort? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start this talk with a bit of a side note on fasting. Fasting is not something we talk about often, is it? It's not even something we practice often, especially in the West. Now, I can tell you, fasting has not been a part of my regular spiritual disciplines, not until recently, but it has not been uh, at all. In fact, the idea of not eating was so foreign to me. Because if you're like me, I mean, I eat three meals a day and eat in between each of those three meals every day. Right? Breakfast snack, lunch snack, dinner snack, fourth meal snack, go to bed, and repeat the next day. I mean, I would eat sometimes when I'm hungry, but I will even eat when I don't want to eat. That's the funny thing about eating, and especially in our culture. We eat when we want to. We eat when we even, even when we don't want to. Right? We eat when we're bored. And so the idea of fasting, though I've always you know, been curious about it, and there are some people here in Trinity that have been really uh, influential in my life personally who are, who are fasters and prayers, um, one, per, one person in particular, he's not here. He has long white hair. He's Greek and he has a South African accent, okay? If you know who I'm talking about, you know. I mean, if he was here, he wouldn't want me to say this. But he has tremendously encouraged me in the area of fasting. Uh, he, you know who he is. He's a man of prayer uh, and he, he does fast um, often. And uh, I've learned so much from him. And... Uh, uh, but it was something that I was like, oh, how do you do that? How do you do that? And I, I just, I hit hurdles. And, and one of the hurdles, and again, this is a, a bit of a side note before I get into the meat of the uh, message, is that, is the idea of private fasting. 
versus public fasting. This was a big hurdle for me. Because you, I read passages like Matthew 6, 16 to 18. This is what it says. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, I would read this passage and be like, I have to, I have to be secretive about my fasting. But then I would have meetings the next week, or a uh, lunch meeting, or just, I'd be around people, and the context would be eating. And so if I'm there, and I'm not eating, what am I going to say? How do I tell them? what I'm doing. Why, why are you not eating? You know, because again, in our, in our culture, that's a foreign thing, especially if you're meeting for lunch. And to be there, yeah, I'll just have the water, please. It's like, why? You know, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. And so I'd have to explain, oh, because I'm fasting. And, and then all of a sudden, it's no longer secret. Now it diminishes the value of the fast. Now the reward is done. The reward is letting that person know that I fasted. And I, and I just, I really struggled with that. I'm like, is that what Jesus is saying here. And and I want to share with you this morning that that is not what Jesus is saying. That the only valid fast is a private fast and not a public fast. That's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, when you read in Scripture, there were public fasts. There were communal fasts. Paul and Barnabas, together with the church in Acts chapter 13, they fasted together to discern from the Lord what the next step should be. Who do we send out? And they fasted together. In the Old Testament, many, many times there were national fasts. The whole nation of Israel was called to fast. And so there's private fasting, there's public fasting, there's communal fasting, there's national fasting. And so Jesus isn't saying that, listen, you can only fast and it's got to only be private. No one should know and that's only the time you should fast. Well, that's not what he's saying. But that was one of my hurdles. That was one of the stumbling blocks. The issue isn't people knowing that you are fasting. The issue is, are you fasting in order to be known by people? There's a difference between fasting and people seeing that you are fasting versus fasting to be seen by people that you are fasting. The latter is what the Pharisees were doing. That's what they were doing. They were, they were showing off their spiritual muscle. That I will go through great lengths to prove that I am holy. To prove that I am righteous. To prove that I am worthy. Look what I do. I fast this many days a week. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Proving externally that they were righteous and holy. It was a form of self-exaltation. And God does not see that as a true fast. In fact, he doesn't even hear the prayers of those who fast in that way. Jeremiah 14, 12 says, Although they fast, I will not listen to their cry. Though they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. So again, the latter part of that verse, or previous verse, is the the heart of the Pharisees that fasted in order to be seen by people. The former is a different posture of the heart. The former is fasting, not to be seen by others, 
but to be seen by God. Fasting. Those people, when they fast, when their heart's posture isn't to be seen by people, but to be seen by God, when that's the posture of a heart through a fast, they are getting God's attention. They're after a greater reward. More than just acknowledgement. Oh, look at that guy, he's fasting. More than just that acknowledgement, they're after a greater reward, God himself. What only matters is being seen and heard by God. John Piper said this in one of his teachings on fasting. Fasting is the physical exclamation point at the end of our pleas to God. In other words, fasting is a way to highlight our prayers to God. They are a way of proclaiming to God, we need you. God, we long for you. We need you to do something. There's a mountain in front of me. I really need you to move it. Praying and adding fasting to that prayer is proclaiming loudly to God, I need you. I need you. And so that's the premise I want to establish for the rest of this sermon. That true fasting is our attempt not to be seen by people, but to be seen by God. So with that said, let's go back to the passage uh, in Matthew 9, 14 uh, to 15. Matthew 9, 14 to 15. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? This is one of the most profound passages in the New Testament about fasting. In fact, it teaches us a lot about fasting, why we do it, how we do it. It tells us a lot. So the first part, John's disciples, that's John the Baptist. John the Baptist had followers, just like Jesus. And they're used to the old way of doing things. They actually aligned themselves with the Pharisees and said, hey, we're regularly fasting here. What's the deal? And, and in fact, John's disciples, when they were asking the question, were in a way they were admitting, you know, why are we even doing this? The Pharisees and us, we fast, but Jesus isn't fasting. The disciples aren't fasting. They're feasting. What's going on here? Why are we even doing this? Jesus answers, And his answer opens up a whole new reality about fasting. A whole new understanding about fasting. Completely new to the Old Testament world, to us as well. Jesus says, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? This is talking about Jesus in light of who he is. He's the bridegroom. He's talking about being the Messiah. The anointed one. The one that the Jewish people have been waiting for. Eagerly expecting to come. That's who Jesus is. And he's like, I'm here. I'm the one. The one that you've been waiting for. I'm here in the flesh. And the the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, was supposed to usher in the kingdom of God. 
And that's exactly what Jesus was doing in his ministry. He was ushering in the kingdom of God. In fact, he preached the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. What does that mean? It's talking about, listen, God's reality is breaking in here. There's a whole new reality that's in town now. And and when that reality breaks in, sickness disappears. Blindness is healed. Deafness is healed. Demons are exercised. The destitute are given life. There's this new life happening when the kingdom invades. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm it. I'm the one. I am the kingdom on earth. Luke 17, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus embodied the kingdom of God here on earth. And his kingdom ways, God's kingdom ways were shown in the person of Jesus Christ. And they were having a good time. Maybe it wasn't easy, but seeing Jesus, could you imagine seeing Jesus at work in first century Jerusalem and that whole surrounding area? All these people who are completely outcasted by the social elites, Jesus goes after them and he heals them, sets them free, and they're given new life. That's the kingdom. The bridegroom has arrived. Then Jesus answers the disciples of John by saying this, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they will fast. Jesus was talking about the time he would be crucified, died, rose again. And that time where he would ascend into heaven, risen from the dead, and he's saying, then fasting will take place. And right there, Jesus completely changed the game. He changed the dynamic of fasting totally. Right there. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a purpose to fasting. Do you know what that was? There was a purpose behind their fasting. When you read the Old Testament, judges throughout the Old Testament, there was a reason people fasted. You know what it was? To lift the hand of God's wrath. You see, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel, they would follow after the idols. They would go after Baal and Asherah and all these foreign gods. And God would have no choice but to send judgment to send an oppressive empire over them. And in that state, the people of Israel will be like, we're not going to eat now because we need to get God's attention for him to lift his hand of wrath and act mercifully. That's why they did this. That's why they fasted. To to move the hand of God, to, to remove wrath and bring mercy. For instance, 1 Samuel 7, 6, it says, so they gathered at Mizpah, and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Here's another one in Judges 20, 26. One of the most troubling passages is Judges 20, when you read that. Just the depths of sin and broken humanity, you find it in Judges 20. It's unbelievable what we read in the Bible sometimes gross evil. Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. 
they sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. You see, the people knew they had done evil in the eyes of the Lord, and so they called a fast. God, would you change your mind? Would you change this circumstances that are happening? You know, that's what they were doing. That's what fasting was in the Old Testament. Now, by the time we get to Jesus, it changed a bit because the Pharisees were doing it for a different reason altogether, like a totally different reason. They weren't doing it to lift the hand of oppression necessarily, although I'm sure they, the Roman occupation fueled some of their desire to fast. But they were fasting for self-exaltation, to be seen by others. That's why Jesus said what he said in Matthew 9. Right? But then Jesus calls for a whole new different type of fast. The New Testament fast or the fasting that Jesus calls us to do, is an expression of longing. That's what fasting is for the Christian. It is an expression for longing, for a desire. You see, our souls crave. That's what our souls do. They long to be filled Our inner being longs to be satisfied. Every single human being has that. From birth, we long to be filled. Our souls long. Fasting expresses that longing and says, my longing is for you, God. It's for you. It's taking the hunger, the physical hunger, and translating it to a spiritual hunger, saying, God, more than food, I want you. It is a longing for God, a longing for Jesus to return, a longing for the kingdom of God to advance. A longing to see the broken and hurting in the world restored. A longing to see the destitute thriving in life. You see, when Jesus came, those things were happening. In fact, there was passages in the Bible where it says everyone who came to Jesus was healed. Luke chapter 4, verse 40, it says this. Now, when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. That was the kingdom of God on display. What an amazing season that would have been. Then Jesus is taken away. Now we have the Holy Spirit with us. And so we have access to the kingdom. Right now, we do. That's why we pray the way we do. We pray for sickness to be healed. We pray for healing. We pray for emotional healing. We pray for all these things. Why? Because we believe the kingdom of God is in our midst. Sometimes we see healing. Other times we will see healing in the kingdom. It's going to come. We will pray now for what we can receive now, what we will receive later. And so that's what fasting is. It's longing for that kingdom to come now. Come now, Lord Jesus. Come now. Fasting is longing for the not yet of the kingdom of God. It is an expression of our ache for God to move. It's a longing for God. It's a homesickness for God. When Allie and I first started dating in university, I I was head over heels for her. I mean, 
totally struck with love. Totally. Okay. After uh, our sem- my semesters in school, I'd have to go back home to Mississauga, where my parents lived at the time. And so that was hard over the summer having to go back home. And because uh, I wasn't, you know, with her in the person. And so I'd be home, and even though I'm home, I was homesick for Allie. So I wanted to just be with her. We, we had so much fun together. We'd go to different coffee shops and just talk about nothing. But it doesn't matter, you know. It's everything. Talking about nothing is everything. We just love being in each other's company. But when I was home in Mississauga, I was homesick for Allie. And so the next best thing I had was the phone. We, we, we would talk on the phone. And sometimes we would talk for hours and hours. And often it would go over dinner time. And my mom would be calling from downstairs, James, it's dinner time. I'd be like, I, I, I don't need to do that right now. Okay? I'll, I'll come down later, later. You guys go ahead. You know? Because I had a desire for something, someone, greater than food. Hmm. Fasting is like that. It's an expression of our hearts. It's a posture of our soul saying, God, I have something greater than my desire to eat right now. And it is for you. It's for you. It's for you to move in my life. So my question to you this morning is, do you have a longing for God? Do you have a longing for God to move in your life? What I mean by that question is, do you long to see God and His hand at work in your family, in your workplace, in your circumstances, in your marriage, in your, like as a parent? Do you have a longing for God to move? Is there an obstacle that God, you're saying, God, I need your help to get through this? Do you have that? Is there something like that in your life right now? Are you struggling and you need answers? May I encourage you this morning to fast, consider fasting? Remember the statement from John Piper, fasting is the physical exclamation point at the end of our pleas. To God. It's a way to say, God, I'm serious. I'm, I'm talking to you, God. I have a longing in my soul that's greater than the longing for things and for food. It's you. I need to hear from you. Would you consider doing that, friends? We are in the season of Lent. Typically the season when fasting takes place in the body of Christ. I want to encourage you to consider it. Now I want to leave you with some tips for fasting. Because we're in Lent, perhaps some of you are already doing something right now. And I want to encourage you. You know, I applaud you. That's great. And I'm sure you've already experienced an enriching in your spirit. Whatever it is that you're doing. There may be others... You are really needing to press into God right now and this is hitting home for you. So here are a couple of tips to help you start a fast. Number one, make a decision to fast. If we think, oh yeah, I'll do that someday, it'll, it won't happen. It, it, the, the, the current 
of our culture and our social, you know, way of being in this world, in this country, it's too strong to just be willy-nilly about fasting. It's way too strong. A meal appointment, something will come up. New snack is on sale at, at Zares. You're like, those never go on sale. Well, I got to get it. That's a, that's a sign from the Lord. I got to get that, right? It's just too powerful. This drive to food is too powerful. You have to make a choice. You have to stand and say, I'm going to fast. When? Put it down on the calendar. Make a decision. Make a decision. And for, for some of you, uh, this is number two now. Number two, start with a small fast. Okay, start with a small fast. Maybe you can skip one meal a day. Just one meal in a week. Whatever that is, that's between you and the Lord. Maybe even two. And again, I want to encourage you, the hunger that you experience when you take time to connect with God, that hunger, the physical hunger, will be translated to an inner spiritual hunger for Him. You will experience that. You will especially if you dedicate that time to the Lord. Now, maybe you can't fast from food for medical reasons, you know, but you still have that inner longing for God. Well, maybe you can do something a little bit different. This is a big one. What about a media fast? You know, a media fast. Why do I even bring that up? Well, social media, YouTube, Netflix, all these things, they act as comfort distractions in our lives. It's not a bad thing. You know, oftentimes these things are not bad things. It's not a bad thing to sit and watch a little bit of Netflix on a Friday night. Why not? Right? But they can become distractions. Distracting you from God and distracting you from yourself, actually. We run to those for comfort. I've got to deal with some stuff, but I don't got time for that. Netflix. Binge, 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 binge. You know what I mean? They're distractions for your soul. I know some people who've decided for Lent to fast from Facebook. And to some, that might sound ridiculous. Oh, that's not a big deal. It's a big deal. To some people, that's huge. It's their life. Fasting from that. Listen. You have all this time now. And let me tell you something. For me personally, when I did that over my sabbatical, totally, totally disengaged from all social media, I felt free. It was so freeing. Maybe that's an option for you. Now, I want to say this as well. Fasting is not primarily about abstaining from food. It's not primarily about abstaining from Facebook or Instagram. Okay? Fasting, let me just say this, okay? Fasting is a revelation. Okay? It will reveal to you where you've been directing your soul's hunger. Fasting will do that. It will reveal to you where you've been finding fulfillment for your soul. Where you've been trying to fill your soul. What is it? Facebook? Is it social media? Is it all the things that you... What is it? Activity on the internet, food, whatever it is. Fasting reveals that. And then fasting redirects the hunger to find fulfillment of that hunger in Christ. Jesus said in John 6.35, 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I used to read that and think, what are you talking about, God? Is that for real? Uh, The Bible is true, is it not? It's God's word. Jesus said that. Why did you say that, Jesus? And I want to experience that. Because I like bread. Physical bread. I like all types of bread. And baked goods. You're greater than that. I I need to know that. I need to experience that. Fasting will get you there to the revelation. He does fill my soul. You do satisfy my soul. And the hunger for food dissipates. And the soul satisfaction, that soul's hunger for God is met in Christ. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Fasting satisfies a greater need than just to fill your stomach. Number three, plan what to do while fasting. Plan it out. Psalm 34, 4-5, I sought the Lord and He answered me. And He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Fasting is a seeking. It's seeking the Lord. Plan out how you'll be doing that. Because if you don't have a plan, and you think, okay, I'm going to fast on Wednesdays, no lunch on Wednesday. During that time, if you don't have a plan, you'll be thinking about not eating. And that's all you're going to think about, not eating. Or, if it's social media, during those times where you're not on social media and you're like this, if you don't have a plan, you're going to be thinking about why I'm not on social media. <laughs> plan out what you're going to do. Are you going to read a book? Are you going to read through a few of the books of the Bible? I'm planning on reading through Acts and Romans right now, like really digging into the book of Acts. My longing, just to share with you, is for the book of Acts to come alive now. I believe God's word. I take him at his word. Face value. You've done it before. You can do it again. You can. I believe he will. And so digging into the word of God for revelation. Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Plan out what you're going to do. If it's lunch, Wednesdays, what are you going to read? What scripture verses? What are you, you going to do? What are you going to fill in that time? Plan it out. Palm Sunday is fast approaching. Easter season is upon us. This is the season to posture our hearts to really connect with God on a deeper level for all that he's done for us, for all the possibilities that he's made available for our lives. That like Shannon said, that we can have victory. That the Christian is somebody who walks in the victory of the Lord. We are called to be lights. Shining brightly for this dark world to see. Let's seek the Lord together. How are we going to get there, God? How am I going to get there? 
personally in my life? How are we going to get there as a church? Let's seek Him. So consider fasting. You'll discover there is a greater hunger within you that can only be found in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I just want to pray right now for a grace to be released upon your congregation now. I speak over each and every person, Lord. Would you speak to our hearts? And not only speak to our hearts, but let there be a grace given to be able to fast at whatever capacity you call us to. For some, it is a full food fast. Others, it's a partial. Others, it's not food, but it's something else. Whatever it might be. Whatever it is that we go to. Whatever it is we run to for our soul's satisfaction. Replace it with you, God. Replace it. And renew our hearts that we would be directed that our hearts, our souls would be directed to you. That our attention, our affection, our devotion is aimed at you. God, fulfill us in a way that we have not known before as we fast and seek after you. So Father, thank you for today. We bless your holy name in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.